to today is that that created um, a personal connection, uh, which um, is removed with the social media, is because you actually spoke to every uh, almost every patron that came down to my party. I'd, I'd call and phone, and um, and and that was that. That's you know what really differed from promoting back then to today. It was. Um, it's, it's a lot more of a business today. Oh, God, it's you know, a business. There's, there's it was a business back then. It was still a business. You know, if you're putting money before you even got... Yeah. Just a different way of owning a business. Yeah. Right. It's just a different way of how you handled business. You just didn't have the... You didn't have such a thing called internet yet, really. There was no internet yet. There was no social media. Social media was your phone and you calling, basically. And if you went to flyers, you went to other people. Yeah, but there's also another thing that people don't realize. There's a thing called flyer etiquette. Flyer etiquette. You know, that, you know, I remember a story of a friend of mine who received a flyer in New York from another party that was going on and walked into the Paradise Garage with the flyer. Oh, my God. The owners Mm -hmm. saw it, called him in the office, Mm -hmm. was reprimanded. He said, I just received the flyer. It wasn't like he was going in and handing flyers out. You know, some owners were really funny with that stuff, having other clubs promoting right around their venue. You know, that's another thing you have to worry about when you're involved in preparing to do this type of promotion, in a sense, you know? 100%. And, and it's also honoring those other establishments, too. Uh, uh, and for my for myself is it's a mounting to do that. So I, I will stand within a certain perimeter away. I will I will do. That. I, I I didn't choose. I you know I'll just speak for myself. I wasn't the guy that chose to put flyers on cars and to get random people. I that's something I just chose didn't do, uh, not to do. Another thing when it came to flyer, like I like that the personal hand to hand connection. And actually saying, I'm so-and-so, please come down to my party. This is what we do. And just repeating that. And, and, and I, I found value in that personal connection. Also, one of the things I did, and this is, this is, this is something that I, I didn't share much before. is So at the end of the day, I'd be one of the last ones to leave because I'm, I want to make sure I'm even getting those heads right at the end of the party. I want to get those people. Those people are staying late at the party and killing the dance floor. I want those people at my party. And so I'd stay really late. And at the end of the night, um, I'd make sure I'd go up and I'd clean up all the flyers on the streets and the roads and the sidewalks that were left behind. For two reasons. Um, One, um, I just didn't want to disrespect the neighborhood and my flyer being discarded. I knew it was reality. Uh, I, of course, I know it's going to happen. I, I know I'm not going to get 100% of the people. I'm going to get a fraction of the people. But once again, it's, yeah, it's, it's a little bit of respect. And also, it's like, uh, uh, it's, I, care about, I care about my brand, right? And I don't want people walking over the logo on the flyer on the street. Yeah, it's a hard <laughs> thing to accept to watch people take your stuff and then just go into the side of the street. Like, they fling it. It's, it's tough when it's your, when it's your baby, you know, it's like, oh, and you know you're spending money to get flyers done, and you're like, this sucks. Yeah, it's your passion. It is, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But you know what? Don't you can't take it personally. Um, I don't think you would you would be in this game for a long time to take that personally because that's that's going to break you down <laughs> really quick. Um, because you're, you're going to face a lot of people that um, you know are, are are just not nice people, right? Um, or not respectful people. That's fine, and they don't have to come to the party. Um, and if you if you don't want to come to the party, I, I I don't want you to come to the party. I want you to come to the party because you want to come to the party. Because I was always very, very particular to make sure, and I know this is very cliche, but it holds very true, is that I want positivity in my party. I want people with good vibes and and, and love that I do. They might not have the same passion, but I want them to have that, 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 that share that love of music. And um, that was something that was always important to me and that's why for myself i always went for a quality style event with quality uh talent and patrons rather than going for um the massive volume and that was a personal choice right um i have promoter friends and things that have done amazing they've done massive festivals and make money hand over and god bless them because they are serving uh, um a service you know, to the city, but that just wasn't something I wanted to do. I just wanted to have a really, <laughs> uh, not that they were small, but I mean, uh, not, not that there's 15,000 people at the event, you know, it's like, if I'd rather have that party where I could have 600 people and they're just to my, to my opinion, just solid people that are just really all there to have a great time. That, that, that means and that's important. I mean, it, you, you know, Again, you're not just doing this for the money. You're also doing it because you have a musical um, oath that you've taken and you want to bring the right sound, experience, feeling. So these yeah. people leave there going, I want to come back. You know, not many people can promote yeah. parties at that level. They, you know, nowadays... Let's go forward. Nowadays, it's built on bottle service more than the actual sound system, DJ. Mm -hmm. it, that's, it's, and that's it's, everywhere. Yeah. 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 I mean, there's very and, few parties you know, that and, have that level, you know? Yeah, and there's a place for that, and there's people that enjoy that, and um, God bless them, right? So, um, but my, my parties typically aren't that, that kind of party. So um, I need a dance floor. I need some solid sound. Um, I need some, uh, it's about curation, right? It's, it's just getting all the elements together, getting the right DJ musician there, getting the right venue, getting, I, I really, I don't work with a lot of venues, but I, the venues I like working with, they get, they understand um, what we're doing. And it is, um, and that's why I, I just like being loyal to them because they, they just know what we're trying to do and they understand it. So it's very few with you, 100%, you know, and it, it, it's really, for me, it's really important to have, uh, to curate a, a party that is of the quality that I'm looking for, right? And, and, it's, it, and I love it when other people appreciate that too. In, and not only the patrons, but the DJs as well, where the DJs and, and the musicians, they're just as passionate to be part of it as well. And, and I love that. I love that. 
because I don't want anyone just to do it for a paycheck. They have to get paid and it is a business and they, they deserve that money, but I want them to have that passion, you know, and I want them to want to be there. And that's really important. That's totally important. The passion, the love. Um, mm-hmm. That's what made some of these events go the distance because it wasn't just about making an income. It was about people having the experience each and every week. And also it's not easy to do that each and every week to have a good, everything right. You know, bringing in each international DJ in or doing a special event. They're not easy. So it's always, you guys are killing them. Yeah, it, it was not easy at all. So, I, and that's why I, I started off, I did a lot of uh, weekly events in, in my early years, and it's, it, it's, it's a grind. But it's, it's not to the point where I don't look at it as like, oh, this is hard work. It's a lifestyle. It's something that I just enjoy to do. Now, with Garage Full and Six, I intentionally just didn't, I, I didn't do it weekly. So typically, I did around 14 events in a year when it came down to the Garage Full and Six brand. Um, I did usually one a month and then a couple on a, a long weekend here or there. And that was typically how it went for many, many, many years. The advantage for me is that I could get virtually the same crowd back the next month. Um, because it's, it's tough, it's tough to get that, that volume of people. Cause back when you played, uh, Lenny for myself, um, you know, we're at, we're at Roxy Blue. That was for the Toronto people. That was down at 12 Brant Street, a legendary club in Toronto. Um, you know, we'd, we'd have typically had around 600 people down to that event. Um, now, some of the parties went as, as big as... Um, so that's a, that's a different venue. That venue that you have up right there is a venue that was in Chinatown called Seoul on Spadina. So that was, a, that was an old a Chinese theater that was converted over that I did a couple events for. And uh, at, because what happened is that the club, Roxy Blue, I was doing, they were getting a lot of pressure for capacity. And I had to move a couple of parties over <laughs> to another venue because I had them already booked. And there were expensive DJs like Louis Vega at that time, but, you know, it was very expensive. But, um, at, at um, you know, when you, you played at, at Roxy Blue where, yeah, coming down, it, it would be tough in Toronto to get, you know, 600, 900, 1,200, 1,500 people on, on a weekly basis uh, for the same kind of, of event over and over again. But I found it, it was, I was able to do that on a monthly basis there. And so once again, and I was looking at the long game, like I could have probably racked in a lot of money if I just continued doing that on a weekly basis. But I think it would have burnt out um, um, quite, you know, probably within a couple of years. This way, the lifespan has lasted long. Groshwan Six has been around for over twenty years, and um, and you know we've been involved with the crowd because some of those people now have you know they're married and have kids and so forth. So we've had to evolve over the years as well and adapt over the years. Uh, like all successful branded events and parties would have to do if you want to stay relevant today. You know if you don't evolve and you don't change, you fall behind, right? So yeah, unfortunately, uh, that is true. That is very true. That's definitely true. Um, who were the first internationals that you brought into Toronto for this party, if you remember? 
So for Garage 416, it started off um, exclusively just Toronto DJs. So I'll give you a little bit of a background story before we, we get to the international acts is that it was, I got to give a big shout out to my, my residents, Blueprint Crew and Jason Klaus specifically. So, you know, he came um, to me and said, hey, listen, I got, a, I got a really cool concept of maybe getting all the DJs together and kind of coming as a collective and having a party. And I'm like, well, that's great. Um, I think that's a good idea as, as well. Because at that point, the Toronto kind of club scene within that house scene was very fragmented. We had a lot of like, like 50 person parties kind of scattered around. Um, and I thought it'd be, you know, it would be really cool because I, I believed in the scene and I thought, you know what, if we come together, there's always strength in numbers and have these DJs together, we can maybe grow, you know, uh, as a scene, which it, it ended up happening. So it was exclusively just uh, Toronto talent for a couple of years, two years, I'd say, uh, before we had any any guests from outside of Toronto. Then um, was part of um, uh, a JVC Jazz Festival back in the day. And um, what I had is an opportunity to bring in uh, Norman Jay and, um, as, as an event. Um, so I said, you know what, he, he might be a good fit to do kind of that Garage One Six party. And then shortly thereafter, just within a week after, I had Joe Closell. Um, and that was my first, uh, so it was Norman Jay and then Joe Closell were my kind of my first bookings and um, for, uh, for Garage One Six. And uh, that was the first time um, Joe Closell had ever played in Toronto. And it, it, was, it was interesting. We, we you know, I booked Joe many, many, many times thereafter. And we became uh, good friends thereafter. But um, I had to, we had to convince them that this was a type of party that you want to play because we weren't established at all. No one knew us internationally. We were just a Toronto party. And saying, no, like, we really believe this is a, would be a really good fit for you. And um, it, was, it was really interesting because it's so different today. It's that I had to sell myself to the dj <laughs> back then right and and it worked and he came and it was actually a wednesday night because the next day in canada was canada day uh, which was a holiday it was a thursday so it was a wednesday night and he came and he absolutely destroyed it he just absolutely killed it and as those know joe Quaselli, he has a very unique style and it was very different from what any anyone was hearing in toronto at the time so from there on in um, you know, we decided to, you know, we, we developed a relationship. You referred me to some other DJs and there were other DJs that we really loved, including yourself, Lenny. So at that time, very early on, you know, we loved the, the spread love. You know, that was a big anthem in Toronto to, to have you come up and play because you were one of my early bookings international bookings at, at garage 416 and um you know we're thrilled to, to have, have you up and and that was still my early years of of garage 416 so um you know so big 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 respect to you actually lenny too because you. if you didn't turn it out and have the party out and you turned it out <laughs> it's yeah that is something i i'm totally grateful for you having me up there because i think that was one of the first i ever did in toronto your party in Canada. Yeah I, yeah, I don't know if that was the first time you were in Canada, but so from there on in, I I end up 
the angle I end up doing for booking for and choosing the headlining DJs was really based on a couple of things. A, I really loved exposing new talent to our Toronto crowd. That doesn't mean the DJ was new. It was just new to our particular scene. So that was one thing. Um, or I made a few exceptions for those that hadn't been in Toronto for a really long time. Like Tony Humphreys was a good example. So I had him up for my second anniversary party because, yeah, we did, we did it local just under a year. And I had him for the second uh, anniversary party. And it had been a really, really long time since Tony Humphreys had been in Toronto. And he had been in Toronto before, but as, as, as you know, Lenny, as those people in New York knows that, you know, uh, Tony Humphreys, excellent DJ, but he has a particular style. And I think the, the clubs that had booked them in the past, they were house kind of crowds, but it was a different style of house. So not sure if it was appreciated as well. So I don't know, because I remember talking to Tony Humphreys and the booker back then, and they weren't really excited to come back to Toronto at that particular time because I think of the notion that they kind of had. So once again, you know, I just said, come up and and I would not be reaching out if I didn't believe this was a good fit for you. And, um, uh, you know, he did. And he, he came up um, with Carlton Rosebeer and um, did a great job. And that was, it was, it was a fantastic party. So Roxy Blue, for those that had the privilege to be there, was a two-level club and it had a total of four rooms. Um, and we filled up all four rooms. When Toy Humphreys was there, we had 1,500 people. Um, which was well beyond the, <laughs> the capacity of the club, but it, it was fantastic. And, and that's why once I said from earlier in the interview, I was like, that's where the curation, I think it's, it's so important to make sure I'm not just headhunting and just going, Oh, I know if I have this particular talent, I can pack it out. It's more than just packing out a party. It's just having the right fit, having the right DJ for the, the right crowd with the right sound. And it's, it's like a puzzle. It's all got to come together if you want to see that perfect picture. Well, and, see, now... Uh, that was something that I... Yeah. Yeah, but now now it seems like today's situation is how many Facebook followers, how many followers they have on Instagram. It's not the same logic. The DJ could be terrible. But they would rather have the one that's got a million followers. From a business standpoint, not really from absolutely, absolutely. And, and 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 that's what it comes down to. It, it's a it's it's business, right? So for me, it was a combination of yes, it was business for me. It was my sole income at the time. That's that's all I was doing was just doing the events at that particular time. Um, but once again, want to look at the long game, right? Like, and also being a fan and being passionate about it as well. First of all, listen. It, it was a kick for me doing this. It was amazing for me doing this because the way I looked at it is this. I am booking DJs and artists that I'm fans of. And I know if I'm fans of and appreciating, I know that the crowd around me is appreciating it as well. And I'm going, for me, individually, this was a dream come true. Um, the artists are being able to, to get paid uh, well. And I made sure that you know, I'm not there to nickel and dime people. I'm there to make sure people get paid because I understand it, it's a business. Um, and, you know, you're leaving your home, you're, you're jumping on a plane, you're coming to, 
uh, a different country, and you want to make sure you get treated well, get paid well. But um, yeah, it, it, it was just you know it's it's been such an honor to be able to do that, and it's that's why it never was looked at as as work. It was really I just always called it a lifestyle because it's it's not work if you know if this is what you love to do, and and it was something I love to do, just getting those people together. And seeing like hundreds of different colored fists, and that's the one thing about Toronto, which is amazing, is that we're just a melting pot. Uh, yeah, multicultural. Pot. Like New York, it's very multicultural there. It's it's beautiful. It's beautiful. I love seeing those different colored hands and fists pumping in the air, and it's it it that's an amazing. So for me, being behind the scenes and then seeing that DJ just like dropping that track and seeing the crowd go wild and going ah, oh, that's. That has nothing to do with money. That just has to do with just loving that passion and getting a sense of gratification that saying, hey, I, I had, you know, an influence of, you know, giving these people a break from grinding and working hard and living through stresses for every day for to give them a, an opportunity to release and have some fun on the dance floor. It's so true, dude. Oh, my God. And I'll tell you, when you get that experience, you want that, you know, William Shatner, those that know Captain Kirk from Star Trek, went up to space recently. And he said something so amazing. Who's Canadian? He's Canadian. Yes, William Shatner. Canadian. Yeah. Went up with Elon, yeah. uh, was it uh, Jeff Bezos from Amazon? And he said one thing that was profound that stood with me. He says, I never want to get over that feeling of what I experienced. It was incredible. Like he was explaining what he saw, the blue sky, da, da, da. He says, I hope to never, ever get over that feeling that I felt for the rest of my life. And that's the feeling of what a great party is, the same way. It's magical, dude. It's, it's, especially from Absolutely. an artistic standpoint, you know? Yeah, and you, you can capture it in a photo and you can capture it in the video. But through my perspective, because I, I wasn't that guy that, you know, Know, chose to be up front and I'm not pouring champagne on people anything like that. I'm not that guy. And it was laying back in, in the shadows and seeing the DJ uh, or the performer, or whatever, just doing their thing and, and just being in the moment for a while. Cause I'm always in work mode and there's a million things going through my head <laughs> as the party. Everyone's having a good time, but I'm, I'm, I'm working, but just taking, remember to take that and taking that time and looking back and saying, Oh wow, there's, you know, 600, 900, 1,500 people here. They could have been anywhere, but they chose to be here. The artist, the, the DJ is doing their thing and the crowd is going nuts. And just taking a moment back and looking going, for me, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. You know? That's right there. We live for people. For them to yeah. scream to their records, the records that make them feel that feeling, the records, that's why we make music. That's why we put these parties on. This is, we do that for that. Not just to get paid. This is the payment right here. The people's love from the floor. As him as a promoter, DJ, as, as me as a DJ, producer now doing a TV show. Yeah. Even with this TV show, we're educating, we're mentoring, we're telling people what Look, you know what? Let's be real. If we would have saw someone like Steve Aoki back in the day throwing birthday cakes and champagne on everybody, we would have thrown his ass out. He would have got thrown out of that club. 
<laughs> he would have been thrown the hell out. I know he would have thrown out. I could never see myself taking a cake and smashing it in front of another DJ. Not gonna happen. Just wasn't our thing. Yeah, it might have. It might have gotten violent. <laughs> yeah, it might have gotten to a point where people it might have gotten violent. Yeah. So, um, but you know what? To each their own, right? I mean, there, there's there's people that love to do that, and God bless them. Right. That that's just that's just not my type of party. But God bless them, right? You know, you gotta understand something, Pedro. And you guys are all engineering, architecting, and writing the plans to what comes up not too far after. EDM takes off where we left off. You know, we we begun this thing. They seen this and they ran with the uh the whole idea and developed it. To a commercial status level, we never did it like yeah. that back then. It was an underground thing. It was a love thing. It was like, oh, it was so special. Like you said, you had to sell the party to all of us. It was the other, not the other way around, you know? Yeah, it, it was. It was. It was very interesting that way. It's. It's like now, you know, promoter wants to throw some money. They're like, yeah, you know, you're thrilled, but uh, it, it was really different. Um, but you know. Once again, coming down the artists, you know, I gotta give I gotta give big respect to the the, the DJs that came played at Garage Four One Six as well, and it, it was more than just a business because I mean, look, Lenny, I was privileged for you reaching out and inviting me to the show, but we're still connected after over twenty years, right? It's crazy, so, right? Everybody, you hear that? Over twenty you know, years, we're still you know, all talking. So, and, and, but I mean. It, it is it is an incredible thing, and and I don't think it's a thing to be taken lightly because I, I think it speaks volumes of our community, and the world's so much smaller today, right? So um, uh, as it was before because of technology, which is which is also a beautiful thing, but um, it, it, it's incredible because a lot of the DJs and the producers and, and the artists that I worked with became more than just business colleagues. We, we became friends. Uh, we've seen things, you know, go through each other's lives. You know, it, it, it's, as you know, it's a tough industry, you know, with spouses and so forth where, you know, I've seen DJs break up. They've seen me, I, they've seen me break up. <laughs> they've seen things where we've just sat down at a table and, and talk. And at times where I've had, Several DJs where, um, you know, they just call me, hey, Pedro, I, I, I noticed that you're having a party this weekend. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I have a party. And he goes, I'm flying up. I'm just going to come up and hang out. And I'm like, well, I don't know if I can get you a DJ. He goes, no, I'm not coming to DJ. Let's just go and hang out. And, it would, and, and that, that was beautiful because we, we went beyond just business. It became a community. It became a friendship. So once again, yes, business is important. People need to get paid. We're, we're, people are making a living off of this, but it was more than just that, right? So, um, and and with New York specifically, we had a, a our Toronto Garage One Six. I just had a strong affinity to a lot of New York talent. Uh, I had privileges of book, booking people throughout the world and Europe and, and and throughout the United States, but New York was always kind of the the go to uh, for us because. Toronto and New York are only, it's less than an hour flight away, so it wouldn't be unusual for a lot of Torontonians to go to New York or for New York people to come up to Toronto. So uh, not that unusual from even like L.A. and Vancouver, there's, you know, there's some commonality in certain sense. But um, 
And that's why even when I went to New York, it, it always, even though I'm away, it, it always felt very comfortable to me and very much like home because I'm away from home, but I'm around a lot of people and, and the community that's so familiar to me. And I have, you know, like funny stories, you know, where I'd be in New York and I was at a club and somebody said, listen, I want, I want to introduce you to somebody um, and brought me over and it happened to be um, Jelly Benitez. John Benitez, and, um, and and then John looked at me and goes, oh, my God, Pedro. And I went, hey, John, it's a pleasure, you know, to meet you. He goes, he goes I looked up to the room and, and saw you and recognized you. Now, you got to, you got to, John and I never met before this, but he had recognized me um, through the party and some photos, and and then we had spoken on the phone because we tried to do some business a couple of times. It, it didn't always work out at the time, but it just shows how small that world is and that community is and just everyone supporting each other and introducing to each other. And, and like even with the, the other promoters within Toronto, I work very closely with the other promoters. And, and it's such a nice community. We have so many amazing promoters in Toronto and, and DJs in Toronto where there's strength in numbers today. And as, let, let's be honest, our particular scene and there is some strength in numbers, and, and we've worked together well in Toronto, where we just kind of brought, brought our crowds together and where we can still bring amazing talent up here every so often, not during COVID, but, you know, before and afterwards. So, um, you know, community is something that I, I'm really thankful in our scene. For sure. Well. And also, I want to say this to you, is with every good story, there's also parts of the story that we want to ask as well. Because we also like that there's the good parts and everybody's getting, you know, the kumbaya. But what has there been also situations where you had to deal with as a promoter, professionally speaking, with DJs or talent that given you nothing but stress and it really went wrong for you? <laughs> um, yeah, um, yeah. But I mean, very, very few and far apart. I am. I'm, and I'm not saying this by just all kumbaya. And, and once again, we also have a history, uh, like Hot Stuff in general, we have a history of just dealing with live artists as well. And um, that, that's, that's unique as well, because um, with live artists, it, it comes with other complexities because they're very uh, focused on their particular image and how that's, uh, that's portrayed and managing personalities as well which could be uh, a, a challenge as well. So um, with, the, with the DJ scene, I didn't find as difficult. Um, and communication was always really, really, really important. So, and when I would say communication, like communication from the time that we're booking, being fully transparent, trying to manage expectations up front, whether it's business or, or the type of party it is, um, and that's why I, I always kept my business very tight. Um, when deposits need to get paid, you're getting paid on time. When I'm, you know, you're committing to get paid, you're getting paid. Let me tell you, I, as the, you know, people, some people have the attitude like, "Hey, I'm, it's my party. I'm going to get paid first. I, I got paid last. So I, it's it's important because once again, it's the long game. You got to make sure you take care of those that take care of you. And without these artists whether they're Toronto DJs or international DJs or, or the staff that works for you, you got to take care of them because you got to look at it as family. So I made sure that was always tight. Um, but we've had experiences. Oh my gosh. Uh, Roxy blue, the club you had. Um, 
I, I will tell you, I'll, I'll, I'll use names and everything. Let's, let's, let's put it all out there. So I had it, I had um, Francois K come up. It was his first time ever playing up in Toronto. And uh, I met Francois the first time at, at, at Body and Soul. And uh, man, you got those, you got those graphics on time. Lenny, man, you're, you're good at this. After 65 shows, you got this down pat. Um, but I met him first time um, at, at Body and Soul. I, I met him and, and Danny Cribbett, and we, um, we, we had some good discussions. And I thought, uh, and that was my first time at Body and Soul. I thought, oh, my God, I got to get these guys up to Garage 416 because I think they'd be an absolutely amazing fit. But Francois came up, had tons of publicity for the party, even spilled over to a little bit of mainstream publicity with some local magazines here, which is amazing. He was playing a great set, all good. All of a sudden, the power went out in the whole, whole club, 100% gone. Everything went on, lights, power, everything. Um, so I almost shit my pants. So <laughs> at that particular time, because... What do you do? What do you do? So first thing I I said is, um, and and first of all, let me back up. There was a whole story before even Francois got up here because before Francois got up here, um, I actually had a a documentary crew following me that day on just a life of the promoter. They could have not chosen a better day because at that particular time, I got a call saying, Pedro, yes. And this was, this was his book. Francois won't be able to make it up. This is the day of the event. The, the day of the event. And I went, what do you mean? I have, you know, I, I'm on front cover of magazines, all the stuff. I've had more publicity for this event from anything. What do you mean? He goes, the flight's been canceled. And I went, oh, my God. Um, so let's try to get another flight. There are no other flights. And I went, oh, my God, I can't believe this. So this is where you have to learn as a promoter. And this is if, if you didn't have some experience, you know, you, you might just have a heart attack at this particular time. But what can we look at? So we looked at rail. Um, that wasn't going to work because the amount of hours uh, it would take from New York to get to Toronto, it would have been too tight. It had been virtually the um, event. To make a long story short, we jumped through a million fiery hoops, made a few phone calls, had a few connections. We got him on a flight and got him here. It was late, but it all worked. So that's just a snippet of all that went on. Came to the event. Power goes out. Talked to the club owner there. I'm like, oh, my God, what's, what's going on? So um, they had made some renovations there. They had an electrical issue. The whole power went out. So Francois could have been very, very difficult at that particular time. But I looked at him going, oh, my goodness, this is not going to go off too well. And he's probably thinking this is his first time here. This is not a good reflection for him. He just goes, relax, Pedro. What are you going to do? We can't control this. So the owner actually called his father, who had some a, a little bit of electrical experience, came it took them 45 minutes to get down to the club. The crowd stayed in the club, stomping and clapping and creating their own music and beats. And people were banging on tables and, and doing percussive sounds. And it was amazing. And then we got the lower level, a small room downstairs 
powered before the main room was able to get powered up. And Francois said, it works, yeah. Let's do the small room. He had no ego about it or anything. He just goes, whatever, we got power there and moved him into this small little room until we could get power back up, which took around 45 minutes to get back up, moved him into the, the room again. People came from being out, little patios came back in and the party started up again, which is amazing. But once again, you know, as a promoter, you have a heart attack when these things go. You, you think you have everything prepared, but uh, things beyond your control often happen, you know, and that was one. So didn't have didn't have a really bad, ex, uh, you know, bad experience with a lot of the DJs. Also, Lenny, as you probably know, the party became really well known, like um, not only in Toronto and New York, it became known internationally. So it did get to the point where DJs wanted to play the party. So, um, and they wanted to come back to play the party. And um, and to the point where it was a lot easier at that time because, uh, you know, DJs aren't giving you a really, really hard time. Because it, it was, it was. Well, nice the word of mouth, the word of mouth was out. Everybody knew, everybody knew yeah. what a good party was. This was a good party, and you know, DJs like to play at good parties. That's just the way it is. You want to play at a good spot, you know? Absolutely. I mean, I, I had guy like Louis Vega who loved that man, and he, he's, you know, we, we had a great relationship for a long time since then. But I wasn't. A, I didn't book him earlier on in Garage Four One Six only because he was so well established. He was doing his thing. I just couldn't afford him. <laughs> is what it really came down to. I just I couldn't afford Louis. And and then eventually, you know, as someone that you know I love as a DJ, I love as a producer, and I I, I always wanted to have at the party. And then you know, speaking to some guys, they said, "Why aren't you? You know, you should you should book Louis." And I said, "Oh, I'd love to. I'm just not able to afford him. I've tried. I know his fee." And a couple of guys said, let, let me have a, a few, you know, conversations with them. And um, they talked and they said, reach out to him again. And and I did. And, you know, we were able to st strike a deal, which was which was beautiful. Um, and 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 we went out to dinner together just one on one and just before the gig. And he asked me a question, which I really appreciated. He said. I'm just you know, out of curiosity. Why? Why didn't you invite me to, to play to your party sooner? And I went. Oh, I would have. I would have loved to. And I was quite honestly. I just said. I just. I, I just couldn't afford you. That's <laughs> what it came down to. I couldn't afford you. And at that point, the exchange rate from Canada and the U.S. Were, was horrible. It was like 1.5. So if you can imagine, you know, uh, it's, it's a buck fifty Canadian for every dollar U.S. And our cover charges weren't any more. Than, than New York cover charges, if some, at times at less. So it got to the point where just the math didn't work out. But um, but I, I was, it was it was a someone that I really looked up to and who would really influence me. Um, you know, with this kind of scene that you know I had the privilege to, to work with so many amazing DJs and, and promoters. So not a lot of people gave me a hard time. Like I, I'd, I'd really like to give you a really dirty kind of. Uh, a story, but I was up and really, really privileged, you know, really privileged. Very I just had more. You're very lucky. Very lucky. Yeah. Um, you know, listen, there, there's attitude that comes around with, <laughs> with artists here or there, but that, that's part and parcel of being a promoter and being able to manage that. And you just have to know that's that's good.
that's good. That's part of the job. Well, I'll also bring up this picture too. Let me show you this picture. You can fill in the blanks. Okay. Here we go, everybody. Look, he took care of this okay. first. Yeah. He's first that's doing it. this. Here we go. He takes care of this man. Oh, Dennis. Yeah. Yeah. Dennis Ferrer. So yeah. So, um, that was Dennis Ferrer's first international DJ gig ever. So it's his first gig outside of um, his hometown, New York. So um, everyone knows Dennis Ferrer is um, absolutely huge today and just love Dennis so much. And he was one of the guys that, you know, we, we formed a really good relationship and had so many laughs together. Um, but it was actually, I'd have to credit uh, Jerome, Jerome Sinem. He said, um, who, who used to be up in Toronto a lot and was a regular. And he came and said, um, he goes, you know, in his, in his English accent, he said, hey, you know, book Dennis. And I said, um, you know, I would, I would love to. And I love Dennis. He was, he was an amazing producer, but I, I had never heard Dennis Ferrer DJ. And most of the DJs I had booked, I've either experienced, heard, uh, whether it be New York, or Miami or whatever it may be, I've, I've had the experience. So I'm going, okay, once again, good DJ, think it'll fit. Um, but I never heard Dennis uh, play, loved his productions. But, um, you know, uh, Jerome says, you won't be sorry, book him. Right? I said, okay, I'm very nervous, you know, but I'll book him. And I did. And he came up and uh, he, did a, he did a great job. Um, because, um, he was, you know, and Dennis, forgive me if he, if he sees this, but he was nervous <laughs> that first time. And he, um, you know, he asked for a couple of drinks to, to level him out, which I was happy to do, but he had one mix that wasn't great. You know, this was vinyl back then. And he was so angry because he was, he was, he wanted to impress so much. He took the record and just smashed it, just turned it and, and smashed it. And then, and then I just pulled him aside because beforehand, you know, we had, we went out, he, he came a couple of days early. We're just, we're just hanging out ahead of time. And I said, you're rocking it. And he was, he was doing a great job. No one cares if you skip a beat. Everyone, every DJ has had a, a bad mix in their life. And, but from there on in, um, you know, he rocked it and I had the privilege of booking him again. And, you know, we've, we stayed friends for a really long time, but I'm just really happy to see his success and just blowing up as large as he is. Yes, a lot, no, of guys so did. a lot of guys did from that point. You know, they took this thing a whole different direction, you know, in a very different direction. Yeah, you know, amazing for them. Amazing for them. So, um, but, you know, it's, we still, we still uh, remember each other fondly and, you know, and we still love seeing each other when we do. So it's, it's very nice. And it's nice to have that relationship with virtually all the DJs that have had the privilege to work with. Well, now moving forward, you said, you know, you have today's stuff, Break for Love. You have also your new um, night that you do. You can share that as well, you know. With all the back history, let's hear yeah. about what's going forward now. Yeah, so, um, you know, so today, well, it's, it's not even brand new, but I, uh, my Break for Love party as well, That's that's been going on for 11 years. So it's funny. I'm like, that's a newer party for me, 11 years. But um, so that, that party, um, not so much based on guests. That's that's. I have a resident DJ, Jojo Flores, in from Montreal, from God's Soul. Uh, I have DJ Yogi from Toronto, 
who's an amazing DJ and promoter, and and my who I like to call my big brother Dave Campbell, who's just legendary DJ in Toronto. Um, and it's it's big anthems kind of party we call it classics, but not like as in '90s classics, just classics of today, of yesteryear, whatever we define or that particular DJ defines as a, a classic anthem. It kind of gets incorporated in the party, but still house, still somewhat, you know, still soulful based to a certain extent, but uh, more of a no rules kind of house music party. And that usually happens kind of monthly or usually around long weekends. We'll, we'll do that particular party. But uh, fabulous um, for the 10th year anniversary last year, it was my last the 10th year anniversary. Break for Love was my last party before COVID hit. And uh, we did a nightclub called Nest. Um, it was a capacity crowd at Nest. We had 600 people in there, and uh, we had Keith Thompson. So, who, for those that don't know, is the vocalist behind the track "Break for Love," and he came and performed that live. And that, that was that was a great night. And that was, and within two weeks afterwards, uh, the city was 100% shut down. So it was a nice way to end off pre-COVID life with a, a banging party like that. But we've come back with a couple of little parties just because um, we're at 25% capacity. So we've done two so far, but it's, uh, it, it's, it's, it's a little bit of a change coming down from 600 people down to like 125, 150 people. But you know what? Um, like I said from earlier, it's those people came in, the doors opened at 10 o'clock and the party started at 10 o'clock. Like dancing started at 10 o'clock because people have been cooped up in Toronto. There's cabin fever. And people are just ready to bust out and dance. So uh, it was, you know, we hit the allowed capacity, which was uh, small, around, you know, 125, 150 people. But the energy felt like there was 900 people in the room because um, it was unusual to see that everybody in the club, and, I mean, from the front to the back, everybody danced. You know, not just like, hey, there's that, that, that group near the front of the DJ, they're dancing in the back, you know, they're having a drink and chilling out. The whole club was dancing. And that was that was really, really cool to see and how things had just changed and to show that people had all this energy that they're just ready to explode, right? Um, and uh, it's just nice, nice to be back and just doing party. Major, I think people realize for the first time, you know, let's be real. We've never had everything taken away from us like that. And to have that amount of time not being with you anymore gave people time to reflect and say, when this thing comes back, we're going to be out there again. You know what I'm saying? And appreciate yeah. it. You start to lose appreciation when you have too much of yeah. stuff, you know? I, I agree with you 100%. And you know what? The crowd, the support has been beautiful because... It's gone to the po- at the point where 100 percent of the patrons have to pay. You have to pay because I gotta get DJs paid. Even at 100 percent of our allowed capacity, these DJs are still playing at a discounted rate. You know, and that's maximizing our limited capacity. And they're still thrilled to be there. So God bless them. You know, um, I'm just thrilled to be there um, to do it. And um, but. Once again, I, I'm 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 really focused on my DJ fam because a lot of them are working DJs. It's their sole source of income. I need to get these paid because I I can't lose these these guys. They're they're such amazing talents, 
you know, with Break for Love specifically, Dave Campbell, Yogi, Jojo Flores. Uh, like, for instance, Jojo hasn't been able to do the past couple of parties. It's just not making sense for him to come in from Montreal to Toronto uh, on a business sense. It, it makes complete sense. So I had a, a guest come in, um, Jason Pollan from Toronto the past couple of uh, months, and he did an amazing job. Um, but even the Toronto local guys that don't have to expend any money to travel, they're still working at a discounted rate. So, But the crowd has been solid. The crowd understands. This is where I'm so thankful. Once again, this is not just heads in a room. This is a community. They get it. You know, so kudos to all those people that are coming out. Thank, I'll, I'll say thank you to all those people that are coming out and tuning in today. So thank you for your support. And and I, I, I with a smaller crowd, it was important for me to go out and say thank you for coming out because they, they don't have to come back and they don't have to return, but they did. So, you know, I'm, I'm very thankful for such a loyal um, patronage and loyal following. And we wish you all the best, brother. You know, let me just show yeah. some of the other pictures that you shared from the old days. So you can, you can, there we go. Look at Spen before Spen. Spen. Teddy Douglas in the background. Yeah. yeah. So this is all that Roxy Blue. This is, yeah, Robert Owens. He's probably singing Tears right there. Yeah. So, uh, Teddy yeah, Douglas. Teddy Douglas on the one with Oh, look at that. They had CDJs back then, Lenny. So. Yeah. <laughs> but nobody's really using them yet. And and the rain mixer. I can see that. That's, that's a rain mixer in front of uh, Spen there. Yeah, and the Vestex Isolator. Yep. Yes, the Vestex Isolator, yeah. Joe on April 13th, right before, that's all pre-9-11 too. That's yeah, all before so that, the world changed. So if you go back to that party, Lenny, Joe Clausel broke one of the knobs on the isolator at that particular party. So that he had a three-way <laughs> and he broke it. It just went in circles. He was so <laughs> passionate about that set, he actually broke it. So, uh, funny story there. Let's keep going. Charisma? Yes, Charisma. Chris, my man. Uh, Dennis Ferreira, yeah. E-Man. E look, everybody. Look, people. Man, wooden console. Just... Look, everybody. Take a good look. Wooden console. Wooden console, yeah. Neil Lean on Shay. So he, he was the one that released It's Yours with, with, uh, on his label with the E-Man himself doing vocals. You see, we have this one. I think it's got this picture too. And look how young Louis Vega was, everybody. Yeah. And yeah, we, we did the trading cards, uh, which, which was really funny. And yeah, people literally were end up trading uh, the DJ cards. And uh yeah, so I see Master Kevin in the chat. So he says he still has some of those cards, which is which is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> they got, they got yes. the so um, yeah, it, it's amazing. Um, I got to do a yeah. I forgot. I got to do a few ruthless plugs. I'm so much better, Lenny, at promoting <laughs> other people than than myself. I'm not. I'm not as good at promoting myself as I am for other people. But for those on Twitch, I thought Twitch was which is I, I love Twitch since we've been uh, locked down as well and just being able to connect, being connected to the community and the music as well. But just encourage those, if you're not following me as well on Twitch or IG, same, same handle, Pedro underscore hot stepper. So I still spin vinyl. I don't know if you can see that behind me. Those, those are my 1200s. Lenny, 
Oh, this is coming. This is a story. I'll give you a quick story. You're connected to this story, Lenny. So the reason is these 1200s I bought off in, in Canal Street in New York. So, and you referred me to the particular store because I said, I'm coming to New York. We were in touch. And I, I forget the store, but you said, go down to Canal Street, this particular store, talk to this guy. Canal, I sent you. Canal Hi-Fi, if I remember. That's it. Yes. And, and talk to them. And uh, because the, the, the 1200s in Toronto at that point were so expensive, these are the same turntables. So they've never been out of my home. They've never been in a game. They are original, like dust cover on them. Um, beautiful. So um, that was because of you, Lenny. So I just, that just came into my memory. So thank you for that connection. And, and they gave me a great deal. Um, and I bought my Stan 680s there as well. And they threw in a few slip mats. And the funny thing, and this is this is the naive Toronto guy in New York, Lenny. So I came out, I said, great, I'm, I'm going to take this back to the subway. And he goes, are, are you you're taking the subway? And I said, yeah. And he just whistled. And he called a guy in the back. He says, no, come back in here. And I go, why? He goes, you're not going to make it a block down the street, walking down the street with those dirt tables. So he went and he wrapped it with black garbage bags. And then with some twine, he goes, now you can go. He goes, he goes, you ain't making it a block. And I went, uh, this naive guy from Toronto, you know, I, I think I'm in my hometown. I'm not in my hometown here. So, so thank you. Those are the ones. And so I spend live every um, Friday night at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And I'm part of a, a Ray train that starts at 7 o'clock called uh, 416 Fridays. It starts at 7 o'clock with my man, Matt Mood. I jump on for 90 minutes at 8.30 to 10 p.m. at Eastern Standard Time, and then my man Jason Palmer comes out afterwards. So if you're on Twitch, follow me. Um, you'll hear that music that we we play at Garage 416 way back from when and, and today. Um, and it's all vinyl, so it's called Garage 416 Vinyl Sessions. And I often have some surprise guests that come down and, and spin with me live as well. So uh, come down um, to Twitch. Join me there. If you're not following me on Instagram, make sure it's same same handle, Pedro underscore Hot Stepper, and find me on Facebook as well, because we have a Garage One Six group that Lenny's part of, and if Lenny's part of it, you should be part of it as well. So come find me. Yes, I endorse it. Garage Four One Six on the Twitch handle, baby. Come on now, <laughs> give him some love. Garage Four One Six. Why we asked him to come up. Hopefully yeah. someday I'll be back. I'll be asked again to play one of the anniversaries. It'd be wonderful to come back. I would, I would love to. I'd love to bring uh, you and many others back when we're able to get back to to the life as we know it. We'll get there. We'll yeah. all get there. But Pedro, thank you. He, you know, check him out. Twitch, what was it, Dagan? Tell everyone. And so, get so, and so the show's called Garage 1-6 Vinyl Sessions, but just follow me on Twitch, Pedro underscore Hot Stepper. Pedro underscore Hot Stepper on Twitch. It's the Garage And Instagram. And Instagram. Yep. Same handle on Twitch and Instagram. Pedro underscore Mondasaur. No, Pedro underscore Hot Stepper. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Pedro underscore Hot Stepper. And Absolutely. follow him on Instagram on everything. Pedro, thank you so yeah. much, baby. Hang on one second. I want to just do one thing. I want to, to promote this fella. Next Definitely. week, we got Daryl Payne. Who the hell Daryl Payne? Prelude Records, Sharon Red, Beat the Street, Cinnamon, 
It just, the list goes on and on. This man, oh my God. Gold record after gold record after gold record through the 80s into the 90s. And still doing as stronger than ever. He'll be here telling us about the story of Sharon Red. All those great songs, Beat the Street and everything. Check him out next Wednesday. Pedro, again, once again, we'll check you out on Twitch. You're teaching everybody Definitely. and keeping this thing going forever and ever. And everyone around the world, get up on Instagram, write to him, follow him. Of course, share the show. Tomorrow it'll be up on YouTube to be seeing it again. And also podcast it everywhere. iHeartRadio and all. I'd like to wish everyone a good night around the world. And to those on our side of the world, have a great day. Pedro, don't move. And thank you again for tuning in to True House Stories. Toodaloo. <laughs>